Welcome back to Behind the Screens. I'm Ryan Preventure. And I'm Matthew Liebman. Hey, Ryan, I just want to give you and Janelle a big thank you for holding the fort for Simon and I last week while we were at Vista Conference. Uh, an, an outstanding effort, especially from Janelle coming in as our, our cameo. Um, but I needed another weekend off, so it's just you and I. Well, I'm sure I'm sure he needed it after the Vista Conference last week. Uh, we're very happy to fill in for you. And yeah, Janelle was great. Tell us a little bit how the how the conference went. The conference was excellent. It's the first one that we've had since pandemic. And just having our clients in our part of the world, uh, where selfishly they are quite cocooned from the day-to-day business was fantastic. You know, there was a lot of networking opportunities. I think the way I describe Vista Conference is if you come here, you work hard and you learn about what's coming out through our suite of products, but you do it knowing you're in New Zealand. We celebrate the fact that our, our guests are in our own country. But, you know, we really talked about um, our advancement towards cloud and, and SaaS solutions. There were some really exciting areas of AI that we we announced. Uh, you know, our, our joke is AI at the moment is often a drinking game. You hear it so often. We wanted to make it practical and business oriented. And there were areas around, you know, automatically creating the text for newsletters. There's the ability to calculate uh, a member um, a loyalty member's lifetime value and churn, and there is automatically generated podcasts, which might put us out of business uh, before too long. But all AI generated. We also had a great digital panel made up of Adam Posner, a loyalty expert, Damien Kernahan, a customer experience expert, Wendy Liebman, a retail expert, and Jackie Brenneman from the Fifthian Group and formerly of NATO, and all of them friends of the pod. We've interviewed them here before. So it was amazing to have them beaming in from four parts of the world and discuss moviegoers, the future of cinema, and what they're seeing outside the industry that we could take some advantage of and and repurpose for the success of of theatrical exhibition going forward. So I'm still on a bit of a high, as you can tell. Um, But you've had a a weekend yourself. You had President's Day. Do you celebrate every president with President's Day or is it just a subset? Uh, That's up to the individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, as a general, we do celebrate all of our presidents. And it's it's a little bit of a different holiday. It is a holiday that a lot of people get off, but not necessarily everyone. It's a federal holiday, but sometimes you do see people actually working on that day. So sometimes the box office is a little bit different than you'd see in other holidays because of that particular factor. And uh, But it was a little bit even more different because we had movies coming out on Wednesday. And I suppose, like and unlike the Vista Conference, we have some really good things like the Vista Conference that happened with the box office, but some not so great box office for some of the others. Nothing like the Vista Conference because it was fantastic. Yeah, so I get it. Not everyone gets off on presidents, but if they do, it was helpful that Valentine's Day was close by. Is that That's the takeaway? It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to play the role of Simon Burton and go through some of the box office, and we'll start internationally and then drill into the domestic market. Internationally, the the heat's off Hollywood a little bit. The market was dominated by Chinese titles in the wake of Chinese New Year and their Spring Festival holiday. And in fact, when you look at the the top grossing films around the world for this past weekend, the top three slots were filled by Chinese titles, as was position number five with a family animated title. So it was really positive that, um, at least for parts of the world, that the reliance on Hollywood wasn't as critical. Certainly, most of the world does rely on Hollywood releases and the domestic market at the top of that. It doesn't really get much of a boost from international titles, certainly not those that are coming out as a result of Chinese New Year. 
As you mentioned, Ryan, it was a four-day weekend for President's Day for much of the country, but not all of it. Some of the titles that were released came out a couple of days earlier than that to take advantage of um, Valentine's Day. But when we look at the four-day President's Day weekend, the gross was about $92.3 million domestically from 34 releases. That was a long way down from last year when there was $160 million in box office generated from 57 releases. So we're seeing that the number of titles was at 60% of prior year levels and the box office was at 55% of prior year levels. And one of the reasons that those are out of whack that you know there, were, um, there was a greater impact on box office than number of releases is last year, the box office over this weekend was led by Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, I do recall us all being a wee bit disappointed by that gross, but we would have done with a $120 million um, weekend title for for a, um, a particular film from the top performer. This year, the top spot went to Bob Marley, One Love, and it just hit 28% of that 120 mil that Ant-Man and the Wasp opened to. Having said that, Bob Marley, One Love from Paramount is a very different film. Nobody had Ant-Man expectations on it, and it exceeded the expectations that were on this film. So let's start worldwide. It opened number four behind those top three Chinese titles. Uh, it grossed 74.6 mil um, on a worldwide basis from the North American region, as well as 47 other territories. And it opened uh, to number one position in 13 of those. Uh, as we've said before, there was a five-day weekend in a number of countries because of Valentine's Day. But even with that in mind, it opened 50% above Elvis, uh, which opened in June 2022. So let's look at the international results. Uh, Bob Marley, One Love, grossed $29 million internationally, led by the UK and Ireland. It was one of those five-day uh, weekends up there. It grossed $9.3 mil there. Second biggest opening for a musical biopic after Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. After that was France, followed by Australia, Germany, and Brazil. Now, diving into the domestic market, the three-day uh, gross for Bob Marley was 28.6 mil from 3,539 screens. Fairly strong $8,081 per screen over that three days. When we look at it from the, the 16th to the 19th, so the President's Day weekend, it generated $34.1 million. And when we add the Valentine's Day two-day bonus and look at the entire cum in the domestic market for Bob Marley, One Love, it's sitting at $52 million domestically to date. So really, really strong result. Um, with another week of, of modest to negligible releases, certainly in this part of the, the market, it should hopefully have a good uh, hold as we go into week two. But who was the audience, Ryan? Um, who showed up for Bob Marley, One Love? I think some of these are, are at what you would expect, but let's uh, look at the, the, the comparable films and some ideas that your marketers can use when promoting the film in the upcoming weeks. We had The Color Purple, Creed 3, The Woman King, The Equalizer 3, The Beekeeper, The Book of Clarence, Queen and Slim, and Bad Boys for Life. We decided to go with a film that came out just recently, which is The Color Purple. So we'll be making those comparisons for the frequency and age range. And always remember that the first film we're going to talk about is Bob Marley, and the second one will be what we compare it to, which is The Color Purple. Infrequent mo moviegoers were 47 to 49%. 47 for Bob Marley, 49% for The Color Purple. Occasionals with 30% for Bob Marley compared to 29% for The Color Purple, very close there. Frequence, 
18 across the board, and very quick frequency, 5 to 4%. So really sort of close there. Again, you're you're seeing those moviegoers that aren't going out a lot coming back and, and seeing this movie. And sometimes we're, you can be a little afraid, well, we're only getting those, it, we're getting a lot of those in frequency, but those are people coming back. And a marketing tool that you want to get is if you get those infrequent moviegoers to come back to the cinema, what do we do to get them to stay? How do we get them to come back to that next showing? How do we get one more out of them in the next couple of months? Because that is where you get some great incremental revenue, right? Is getting those customers to experience the joy of seeing a movie. And we'll talk about how, what audiences thought of this film. That's a big, big driver. Uh, in a marketplace that we're in right now, as you want to get those moviegoers still be engaged, still get them excited to want to keep seeing movies. So let's look at the age brackets. Obviously, the younger age bracket didn't come out to this film nearly enough. Ages 2 to 11 were in the uh, were 4 and 3%, well over 10. 12 to 17, 6 to 4%. No surprise for any of that for either of these films. 18 to 24, we start to get a little higher. We have 12% for Bob Marley compared to 7% for The Color Purple. 25 to 25 to 34, 15 to 14%, almost exactly the same. 35 to 44, 19% across the board. 45 to 54, 21 to 19%. Really similar audiences here for the, uh, these particular films. 55 to 64, 13 to 17%. And 65 and older, just a little bit less for Bob Marley, 10% compared to 17 for The Color Purple. Females came out a little bit more. This is, I think what you found was with the Valentine's Day opening, you had a lot of kind of dates going on. So it was 52% female, not that uncommon for uh, a Valentine's Day opening, 65% for The Color Purple. No no surprise there as this as The Color Purple is a women, women empowerment film, whereas the Bob Marley movie is just a little bit different in that sense. But what I think you're going to see here and what, from a marketing standpoint, is audiences really appreciated this film at 93% an audience score and an A cinema score. This is a movie that people enjoyed. Now you want them to get either see it again or get that word of mouth out there. And again, we're really seeing that difference between the audience score and the reviews. The reviews were at 42%, but audiences loved it. And I think marketers sometimes need to, at certain points, maybe not for the Oscar-worthy films that are that we're still kind of playing with right now, but show those audience scores. Let people know the people that you're sitting next to, they're the ones that love this movie. Go out and see it. Yeah, you're right. Nobody holds more credibility than a trusted friend or family member recommending something. But I wanted to go back to the comps you called out because it does harken back to something we often say here. What jumps out for me is that there are no bi musical biopics. The Freddie Mercury one, the Elton John one, the, the Whitney Houston one, none of them are in there. So again, comping, if you do the, the traditional way, those would be the three top films. In fact, uh, when we were looking at the numbers, we did compare its opening to to um, Bohemian Rhapsody because it, it walks and talks similarly. But as we've said often, stop looking at the content on the screen, do a 180 and look who's sitting in the seats. And so as you try and drive people into this, you know, you should be looking at the audiences that are quite diverse. Those that have seen Creed, Color Purple, Bad Boys for Life. It's about the audience member. They have a diversity of taste. Don't just lean into the traditional tone and content. And hopefully that will get the legs that you were sort of saying are out there as we wait another week until Dune at least.
Yeah. So that was the, the number one release. Um, there was a bit of daylight in the domestic market to the next um, biggest release. That was the latest from the Spider-Verse world, the Sony part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Madam Web. So a new character, uh, but a superhero genre. And it seems to be following the recent trend of, of superhero films. Uh, it opened to number six worldwide. So uh, there were the three top Chinese films. There was the animated family Chinese title in five. We talked about Bob Marley. Only then did Madam Web crack the worldwide rankings. It's um, the weakest worldwide opening for one of these Spider-Verse titles, which had previously included two Venom installments, uh, as well as Morbius, which was the previous record holder. It opened in April 22 to $84 million worldwide, uh, on the way to about 168 mil by the time it had finished its run. I don't think Madam Web's going to come within uh, Cooey to sound like an Aussie of that, that particular gross. Again, let's start internationally. We'll drill down domestically. Madam Web opened in more territories than One Love. It opened in 61 to Bob Marley's 47. It grossed 25.7 million in those international territories. And when we look at the territories that performed best, it was the exact same order as Bob Marley. UK and Ireland led, followed by France, then Australia, Germany and Brazil. Now let's dive a little bit deeper into the domestic market. The three-day weekend for Madam Web was 15.4 mil from 4,013 screens. They came in at 3,825 per screen. And when we look at the President's Day weekend, that 15.4 bumped up to 18 mil. And when we expanded for Valentine's Day, Madam Web is sitting at a 26.2 million cube uh, to date. Ryan, who showed up to see Madam Web? Well, this is one where it's a pretty similar audience in that these are people who, who like superhero movies. Mm. The comps were The Marvels, Aquaman, and The Lost City, Argyle, one of the few films that was outside of that, uh, Blue Beetle, The Beekeeper, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Flash, and Lisa Frankenstein. So actually what you are seeing here is that Marvel audience, but you're also seeing the audience that's just going and seeing movies, which is The Beekeeper, Lisa Frankenstein and Argyle, all movies that came out in the last couple of months. So you're going to see a little bit of those kind of frequent moviegoers who just go out and see the thing that's out there. But certainly there's a lot of the Marvel audience uh, and and probably the DC audience because we haven't had one of those for a little bit. We decided to look at the Marvels. It was certainly underperforming at the box office and thought that might be out of all of these, probably the best one to compare it to. So again, the first film will be will be Madam Web, and the second will be the Marvels. Infrequent moviegoers were very similar, 30 to 28%. Occasionals were 32% for Madam Web, a little bit higher for, um, for the Marvels at 38%. Frequent moviegoers, 31% across the board, and very frequent were 7 to 4%. So a little bit, a little bit close there, but what again, you're kind of just seeing the audience what I think sometimes we find is that there is that audience that just goes out. Maybe they don't go to every weekend, but go out, they go out reasonably often. And, you know, they, they, they like to go to cinemas and they're, they're an audience you want to hold on to as well, because that's still really important. Those people that keep coming, make sure that they keep coming. Right. So there are maybe some marketing ideas that you, that people want to throw out to, Hey, if you saw Lisa Frankenstein and you, and you saw Argyle and you saw Madam Webb, you know, maybe we need to do something for these people just to thank them for, for their loyalty, because that's, that's incredibly important. 
when we look at the age ranges, obviously uh, we get a little bit of an older audience with this one, but uh, younger certainly than we saw with Barb Marley. Uh, the very young audience, 2 to 11, 6 to 8% compared to the Marvels. So a little bit higher than uh, you might see in some Marvel films. 12 to 17 was actually lower at 5 to 4%. 18 24, 19% for Madam Web compared to 10% for the Marvels. 25 to 34, 25 to 19. This is where you're starting to get into the fanboys and things like that. That's that age range. 25 to 34, 25% to 19 for the Marvels. 35 to 44, 18 to 22 percent, so a little bit lower as we get older. 45 to 54, 14 to 19 percent for the Marvels, and 55 to 64, 6 percent from Madam Web compared to 11 percent for the Marvels, and 65 and older, pretty small there, 5 percent compared to 7. And again, it was very male centric for this particular one, even though the the lead character is female. 39% female in the audience compared to 34 for the Marvels. And one thing you see here is actually two kind of female-centric Marvel movies with more males going seeing them on the at least the opening weekend. Big difference in how people thought about this film. 13% from Rotten Tomatoes as far as reviewers went with 56% for the um for the audience. Not a great score for audience, certainly. And the C plus cinema score, which is a little bit better than that, is is good. But we're not seeing a ton of great news here for repeat audiences. It will be hard for if only 56% of your audience really liked the film. The word of mouth is going to be a little hard for Sony in this one. But uh, letting people know that this is this is just a movie out that that, you know, if you can find some good notices from audiences, try to get them back in there. Yeah, yeah. And look, Sony has a couple more of these Spider-Verse titles coming out this year. In fact, they're the biggest contributor to the Marvel Universe, I think, on screen this year over Disney, which only has uh, Wolverine, uh, Deadpool and Wolverine. So they've got Craven the Hunter coming out in August 30, another original character or first time on screen anyway for that character. And then the third installment of Venom coming in uh, November. On a related note, uh, how did, uh, how did the, the chosen second group of episodes do this weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the whole thing here. I don't know whether we need to tax you on the audience. Uh, it did three, over the, the three days, the chosen did $3.6 million. Uh, it, it grossed $1,587 per screen from 2,272 screens. Audience profile were incels and widows. Uh, I think that's, if you're going to see these films over Valentine's Day, that's who you are. But Ryan, other than The Chosen, just a couple to call out, a few success stories here, and also a reflection that, God, the, the market needs some family films. Um, I'm just going to take the three-day weekend here, not the, the President's Day. Migration came in fourth. It was up 29% on prior weekend, pulling in another 3.8 mil. And that was despite losing 229 screens. So it's sitting at 115 mil. And another one of those uh, long-standing releases that did well, Wonka went up 15%, was in the sixth slot. It grossed 3.5 million. And that 15% increase was despite losing 417 screens. It's now sitting at 210 mil. So if anything indicates the need for more films, it's it's releases like these, particularly in the family segment, that have been out for a number of weeks that continue to have week-on-week increases just because people want to go to the cinema, especially with their kids and there's nothing else out there. 
the final shout out I think we should make is to Mean Girls, which remember was originally a streaming title for Paramount Plus, and it just uh, crossed the $100 million mark worldwide. It's sitting at just under $102 million. So that's found money. Um, and Paramount, more than most studios, have been terrific at looking at what they have produced for streaming and throwing it out into theatrical and having some terrific successes there. So long may it last. You know, and I think what's important here is, you know, we we look at the doom and gloom a lot, but let's celebrate some wins here. These are some really nice numbers. And, you know, Wonka is a, a great film and it's going to do really well in the long run and all sorts of different uh, markets streaming. But it, the fact that it's still hanging in there is just a really, really great success story. Same with Migration. Kung Fu Panda cannot come soon enough for our family audiences in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, um, Jack Black's been wandering around Auckland at our closing night for the Vista Conference. We held it at a, at a hotel and a bunch of our guys hopped out of an Uber just as Jack Black did the same in the car park and there were fist bumps all around. So yeah, you're right. Let's bring um, Kung Fu Panda in and, and we'll get the Vista Conference delegates along. Ryan, we've got another quietish week next week. I'm going to put an ish on the end of it. Do you want to tell us what's, um, what's coming out uh, in the following few days? Well, we do have another Demon Slayer film coming out and, you know, that will hopefully get some kids in there and get that audience that uh, likes anime. Obviously, the last installment did open to 10 million and went to 17. You know, that that that's a reasonably strong box office and did 30 million worldwide. And, you know, we can use anything we can get right now. We Then we have driveway dolls with focus features only 84 minutes long. So if you're looking for sort of that art house specialty fair, that's that's something to really look for, but really not much more to, to look at this coming weekend. All eyes are on the second installment of Dune, which from the reviews of people that I know have seen it and others that it is, it is a quite fantastic second film. Yeah. So, you know, what are we now? Um, about 12 days away from the drought breaking, but until then, hopefully we see some holds from One Love. And, uh, you know, Demon Slayer being an alternate family film with a built-in franchise, albeit niche. Hopefully we see something there. So, Ryan, great to be back on Behind the Screens um, with you. Hopefully we get Birdo back next week. He's um, travelling again. But until then, thank you for your time and thank you to everyone listening. We'll catch you next week. Movio and Numero are two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow Movio, Numero, and Vista Group on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Screens podcast is produced by Grace Furness and edited by Patrick Hanna.